Okay, everybody, welcome back once again to Tech Gumbo. I'm Haggai Davis II, along with Haggai Davis III, and we'd like to welcome you to Tech Gumbo. Here on our show, we like to talk about the past, present, and future of all things technology in a topical, interesting, and digestible way. Without geek speak or a bunch of acronyms, we just want to talk about technology that's important to us and important to you. We also want to thank Cardinal Capital. To business owners and CEOs, hopefully you have a good relationship with your lender. Even if you do, sometimes you face other challenges, such as a need to consolidate debt, a want to level out your cash flow, or a desire to buy new equipment because you're in growth mode. If this describes you, give Cardinal Capital a call, whatever your need or challenge. They have over 4,000 lenders where they source commercial capital for business clients. Chris, Gary, and Rob at Cardinal Capital have a passion for business, and they want you to succeed. When you meet with Cardinal Capital, they get to know you and your business, so they can present your needs to lending institution that will best fit your unique situation. In short, they go after money for your business. They translate your business into what's important for lenders, and they are good at it. Depending upon what the deal is, no matter how complicated or straightforward, they will help maximize your profitability while setting your business up for success. They find the best solution for your situation, all while being fun and easy to deal with. For more detailed information, visit their website at cardinalcap.net. You can also call them 225-308-3700 or email them info at cardinalcap.net. Okay, Mr. Davis, how about we do ourselves some tech gumbo today? Sounds great. Start off as we love to do here with news and updates, and this is more of the updates Last week or a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about how the, the Google Chromebooks were going to end of life, and a lot of people were upset about that. Yes, especially during the pandemic, a lot of schools had gone out and bought Chromebooks because they were very cheap and they did exactly what they needed to. Well, Chromebooks were going to come end of life pretty soon, and that made a lot of people angry. And so Google caved and decided to extend the Chromebooks much farther out. That's right. They're going to go 10 years on support for the, the Google Chromebooks instead of the five to seven years, depending upon the, the different Chromebooks. And when you have as many schools that had spent that much money buying these devices and you had that much public outrage that, yeah, Google was kind of painted into a corner and they didn't have a choice. And it's not like it costs them that much more. But there was a public interest research group which estimated the amount of savings that – because Google's doubling the lifespan of the Chromebooks here. It's going to save public schools and taxpayers almost $2 billion. So this is something that is very much good that Google is doing this and raises the question of what else could they also be doing if people just raise a little bit more noise? Let's not cry for Google because the Chrome operating system that runs is still building advertising and they're getting advertising revenue. So they're not just altruistic as can be over this whole thing. Oh, and another thing is that you have to think all those students are learning to use Google Docs and Google Sheets and they have Google Drives and they're using Gmail as opposed to I, who whenever I was in middle school and high school, learned how to use Word and Excel and Outlook and PowerPoint. And so if Google's sitting there cutting into that, that next generation of productivity suite, that's something that they're setting themselves up for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years down the road. 
that next generation is going to have different expectations. So let's not cry for Google. I think they'll be okay. Next story we wanted to follow up on, the iPhone in France is going to get a software update to solve the radiation problem. This is exactly what we expected here, that it was likely just one component of the iPhone 12 was consuming a little bit too much power, putting out a, a little too much. And so they're going to use a software update to pull the lever back on that one piece of hardware. And this is all a huge blow up over nothing. And that it's that was all this took. It could have been an email from from France out there to Apple. They they went through the the public channels, and now people are going to make a stink about it. But this was never a big deal. This is always what was going to happen. Surprisingly enough, they're only going to release this update in France. Belgium is sitting there saying, "Hey, you know, we're part of the EU. We'd like that software update as well, but we don't really don't think it's a danger. We don't think there's a problem, but we'd like that update." And Apple is saying. No, we're only going to release it in France. Yeah, it's their statement said this is a specific testing protocol used by French regulators and not a safety concern. So apparently France has some very specific rules around these types of things. And so I guess everyone else just doesn't. So I don't understand, though, because they wrote the code in Python. They didn't write it in French. So why does it matter what, what country you're releasing it in? That feels a little ridiculous, but who am I to say? And and look, I mean, it's not just Belgium. Germany's, you know, asking questions. The Italian government, the Dutch authorities, they're all saying, well, hey, you know, it, is it really bad? I mean, we're not, we're not seeing it, but if you're going to put that update out there, we, we'd like that too. And And my question is, why wouldn't they just roll it out in any of the versions of software that they're going to be updating? They just stick a little one, two lines of code that turns off that one little widget. Why not just do that and move on? Yeah, I agree that it, it does feel pretty ridiculous. It's probably something that they have already fixed in future versions of the hardware. I, you know, why is it just the iPhone 12 and not also the 13 and the 14? And so that's also something that I don't quite understand. But who's to who's to question our technological overlords? That's right. Apple being Apple. Another one of the stories we want to follow up on. We haven't talked about SpaceX in a little while, but one of the things that we had had concerns about was their impact on astronomy. That's whenever you had a lot of the satellites flying over. They were interrupting a lot of astrophotography, both the casual observers and the people who do this for research. Well, SpaceX has finally decided that this is worth addressing. And so they're putting a cool piece of film over the top of their satellites, which won't reflect sunlight in the same way. It'll scatter it, making them much less of a glare across the sky. It's called dielectric mirror film. And yes, so when the sunlight hits it, instead of being reflected right back off, it's going to send the light off in multiple directions. So you, you won't have that glare, that reflection coming right off that shiny satellite as it's spinning around, around the globe. It is a Bragg mirror, which is pretty cool. What happens is you have several different layers of film, and each one of the films, if you think about... If you have a glass and you put some oil and some water and you shine a light through it, your light refracts differently through the water versus through the oil versus through the glass itself. That's what's happening here is that you have different levels and they each refract at different wavelengths and different angles. 
And so you're not going to have all that sunlight pointed straight back down. It's going to go out in different directions. And so they're making use of some pretty cool optical technology in order to preserve the view of the heavens. This is only for the second generation and every subsequent generation. For that first generation of satellites that are already up there, well, they're going to continue to reflect until they deorbit. And these satellites are only designed to stay up for about five years. And currently, there are a little over 4,700 of the Starlink satellites that are spinning around Earth. And that's kind of a cool deal. It's also pretty cool for them. They have reported $1.4 billion in revenue last year, which is a pretty sizable number. However, it was less than their initial estimates. Back in 2015, whenever they were laying out their goals for themselves, they estimated they would generate $12 billion in revenue and $7 billion in profit for 2022. They didn't quite meet those numbers. Wait, Elon Musk overpromised something? Yes, they also estimated they would have 20 million subscribers by the end of 2022, and they had 1 million subscribers. Which is still a significant number. In the middle of all this ramp-up, they had to go through a pandemic and a global shortage of everything. And so getting all the equipment out certainly slowed all that rollout down. But they're doing their best. They're trying to get this Starlink out as much as they can. They're kicking around the idea of maybe having these satellite dishes available in Home Depot and Best Buy. Yeah, I think that's one of the problems with an uh, Elon Musk company is that if they didn't overpromise so hard, we'd be talking about these numbers as huge wins. To have 1 million active subscribers to your satellite-based internet company, to have over a billion dollars in revenue, both those are incredibly successful metrics, especially whenever you look at their growth year over year. But because they had set such impossibly high standards, they have to be viewed as failures in some way. And had they just set more reasonable goals or targets, they would be incredibly lauded for what where they are right now. And so that's just kind of that weird double edge. And it's it's tough to gauge as are they actually meeting reasonable targets? You know, if they would have said that their goal was 2 million active subscribers and they're only at 1 million, well, now we have a better idea of where are they actually, how well are they actually doing. But whenever you set a goal of 20 and you only get to one, well, you weren't close. And so something major went wrong way up the chain and it doesn't even really make sense to compare those numbers. But they did go from $222 million in revenue in 2021 to $1.4 billion in 2022. So that was a very sizable jump. And again, like you said, if if they had been reasonable in their projections, we'd be celebrating a full 7x growth. But, you oh, you only got to $1.4 billion. You said you were going to do 12. And... Typical of an Elon Musk run company, overpromise and underproduce. You know, their capital expenditures were also still pretty high last year. They were at $3.2 billion. And so we expect them to have high upfront capital costs, though. It, they don't have to turn a profit yet. This is not a company who is cash strapped, who needs to be in the black this month, this quarter, this year. So if they would just frame themselves a little differently, 
there's a lot of cool stuff here. They are really innovating this idea that you pointed out earlier of having the user kits available in Home Depot and Best Buy. That's really a, a huge sign of where they're going. I would have questions about what does their queue look like to get in because they had a very long wait list for a long time. And so that was kind of one of their bottlenecks. Are they at the point in time whenever they have cleared that bottleneck and anyone who wants to sign up can? I'm I'm a little skeptical of that. Well, um, the supply chain has eased a good bit, especially when it comes to computer parts and, and things in, of, of the technology nature. So let's hope that they are much more available and we'll kind of keep an eye out, see what they what the numbers look like in 2023. That, oh, by the way, we also forgot to mention their biggest client, the U.S. government. Oh, the U.S. government definitely uh, is writing some checks and that's going to be very interesting because some recent decisions with the Ukrainian war has gotten Musk into trouble and won him a ticket to have a nice conversation with some U.S. senators. The other question I have, though, is that if they cleared out their entire queue and that everyone who wants to sign up can immediately sign up, that means that they don't have a backlog. So if they were expecting to have 20 million people and they're only at 1 million people, did they just really underestimate their demand? Because whenever you no longer have supply constraints and it's just a demand problem, that's very different. Because if you're going to tell me, oh, there's a lot more people who want to, we just can't get it to them yet, you're still growing. But if you've hit market saturation, that's a different problem. And so then you have to start expanding into new markets. And right now, they're pretty much only in the U.S. They're in Eastern Australia. They're a little bit in Europe. Do they need to start pushing into South Africa? Do they need to start pushing into South America? Do they need to start pushing into Africa and Asia? Those are larger growths. Is that what it takes to get from 1 million to 20 million? You know, that's a another scale of problem there. I agree. And I, I think you're going to see a whole lot of people just here in the U.S. who have not been able to get internet at the house or get fast internet at their house, you're going you're gonna to see a lot of those people not sit around and wait for fiber to be run to their house. They're going to go grab one of these dishes. And I, I think these numbers are going to continue to grow. Do they hit 20 million this time next year? Doubtful. But it would not surprise me if they were 5 to 10 million next, by this time next year. You know, to put it in perspective, that is a, about 10% of the U.S. population. If, you know, maybe a little less, maybe 7 to 8% of the U.S. population from the studies that we talked about for the state of Louisiana, it's much less than that who don't have high-speed internet and want it. And so what is your actual market capacity? That's a question which I'd be very curious. I'm sure they've run the numbers on it, but my guess is that they might not hit that 20 million number and that that revenue gap is going to come from government contracts, the U.S. government, maybe the Israeli government, Japan, some of these other first world countries who are looking into defense and have budgets. With 7 billion people on the earth and this this system now capable of internet anywhere on the planet, they'll get to 20 million people. It's just do they have 20 million dishes to, to sell? That's their biggest problem because there's enough people wanting to go tailgate at LSU who want to buy these dishes. So I think the the number is strictly limited based upon availability, not a want. Yeah, we will continue to check back in on this and see how are they doing in future future episodes. 
Another story we wanted to get to is a company called Wise, W-Y-Z-E. They have cameras, security cameras that people put in their homes and different places. Well, there was a report where some camera owners all of a sudden started seeing things that were not in their own house. They were seeing other people's cameras in other people's homes. This is a very large oopsie. And it was only affected a small number of people. Apparently, you had to go to the company's web viewer only, and it, it was caught pretty quickly. But boy, that is not a great sign for your company. And it raises a lot of questions in general uh, about this whole home security industry. Well, you're right. So these things, while this was only a problem for about a half an hour, there's a whole lot of viewing that can be done in a half an hour. But when you're talking about a $30 camera and the monthly recurring is not very much, so when you're not paying a whole lot for something that's pretty cheap, what do you expect might happen? Yeah, this this was not a malicious action by any means. There's only so much software back-end development, maintenance, and support that those small amount of dollars can handle. And so maybe the camera would have been a little bit more expensive and the recurring monthly would have been a little bit more expensive. They could have hired better, more engineers to make sure that the wires don't get crossed in this way. And that's kind of where we are on this. Yeah, you really, really, really want to think twice about putting one of these security cameras in your home. And if you do, you sure don't want to put it in the bedroom or the bathroom or anywhere where you want to be private. If you're going to have one, maybe point it at the front door so it only sees the front door, not sees into your house. Think about it. That's a great piece of advice. And really, there's a lot of controversy around intelligence communities and surveillance tools as well. The U.S. government is also investigating this. That's right. The Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act was set to, it was supposed to sunset later this year. But the Director of National Intelligence has said, well, maybe not. Let's hold off on that. Yes, this is an intentional spying tool that was a very powerful one and allowed intelligence agencies to collect the communications of non-U.S. persons abroad anytime their communications crossed U.S. systems. That's a pretty wide net they're casting, and it allows them to go after a lot of different people who aren't American citizens, and so they aren't necessarily subject to all the same rights and privacies that we are. And so it gets into some thorny places. This was FISA Act. And this thing, it really was a very powerful tool. And, you know, the Biden administration has said, no, no, we're going to let it sunset. And then some other folks in the Biden administration said, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Hang on. This thing has it's really done some good, though. We've caught a lot of bad guys using this tool. So. Let's not turn this off yet. And the uh, the ACLU is saying, oh, no, this has to end. And the FBI is saying, well, maybe not. If if we were have to get warrants, that would be burdensome. That whole due process, you know, takes time. And do we really need all of that? 
you know, these are the questions that whenever you develop these powerful spying tools and these capabilities, the government wants to use them regardless of how much they need them. And maybe it does benefit, but is the benefit worth the cost? And when you look at Congress, both the Republicans and Democrats have said they're reluctant to renew the authority. But the Biden administration is just kind of, they're saying, wait a minute, let's take another look. We want to thank General Informatics for sponsoring our show. General Informatics is an information technology firm with a mission to make our clients even more successful through the best use of technology. Based in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, General Informatics is a premier IT managed service provider delivering exceptional managed IT solutions to a diverse base of customers across the southeastern United States. From the beginning, we have maintained our commitment to meeting the growing needs of our clients through continuous innovation. With over 20 years of experience and a team of 180 plus employees, including technicians, engineers, program designers, GI has evolved to become the leading IT partner of business schools and government agencies. Our managed services teams can run your digital infrastructure or support your team on an on-demand basis, letting you focus on your business strengths. This has become a proven formula. So proven that 98% of our clients continue to do business with us year after year. Whether you need IT services, new technology, or have a question, visit us on the web at geninf.com. If you enjoyed our show today, we are here on Talk 107.3 FM every Saturday at 4 p.m. And the show reruns Sundays also at 4 p.m. If you missed any part of the show or you'd like to hear this or previous episodes, check out our podcast. Available on almost every podcast platform, including iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music Audible, and more. When you're there, be sure to subscribe so you get notified every time we post a new episode. If you like our show or you have any suggestions, let us know on our website at www.techgumbo.net. Thank you for listening to Tech Gumbo.